Then, hey, thanks, Dale. It says, then, talking about Jesus, then Jesus came to Bethsaida. And he brought a blind man to him and he begged him to touch him. And so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit or spat on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And this man looked up and he said, I see like trees walking. So obviously his vision was a little blurred. And then he put, in verse 25, he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he's restored and saw everyone clearly. It takes four verses and less than a hundred words to share one of the most fascinating passages of Scripture that I uh, find in the Bible. And it's fascinating because, it's fascinating for many reasons, but it's fascinating because just like Roger Federer, who was a champion tennis player, when he misses a forehand, that's not supposed to happen. Or it's a bit like maybe when Greg Inglis, a great champion rugby league player, drops the ball, that's not supposed to happen. And it's like champions aren't supposed to miss, aren't they? And it's like Jesus has almost missed, because he has to pray for this guy twice. Have you ever thought about it, why Jesus had to pray for this guy twice? It's an interesting question, it's an interesting thought. Um, because if we were to go to the chapter before this chapter, Mark chapter 7, we see that there was a guy who was deaf. Jesus placed his fingers in his ears and he was instantly healed. If we were to go a chapter, a couple of chapters on for chapter, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 10, and we see there's a guy called Bartimaeus, he was blind, Jesus prays for him, he's healed instantly. There was no second kind of praying for him, there's no laying hands on him again. God done, you know, Jesus saw instant miraculous healing on Bartimaeus' eyes. And so, you just contemplate that. But we see here in Mark chapter 8, where man is healed not instantaneously, but eventually. Eventually. And uh, Jesus says, after touching him, what do you see? And he says, well, I kind of see like men, um, they're like trees walking. It's a, a, and so, he's, obviously, his vision is blurred. And Jesus decides, well, that's not good. I'm going to touch him again. And when he touches him again, he sees clearly. And, you know, and we have to ask the question, why did Jesus have to touch the guy twice? Because nowhere else in Scripture do we see this happen. You'll find it nowhere except in Mark chapter 8. And I want to bring your attention. And I was contemplating and thinking about the realities of why Jesus touched this man twice. And I thought of some possibilities. Um, maybe the man was lacking in faith. Thought about maybe he was lacking in faith, and, and the miracle took a little longer uh, because uh, the man needed to have a believe a little harder. And um, uh, to be honest, as I look through Scripture, it doesn't really—it's not really the truth because I find uh, this doesn't hold water. That thought. Because the truth is, Jesus sometimes prayed for people who had very little faith. And sometimes Jesus even prayed for people so that they could have faith. I mean, there was a man whose son was, had an evil spirit. And Jesus, um, and, and, and the man, the father of the son, came and saw Jesus and said, and Jesus says, do you have faith? Would you believe? And the man said, yes, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? And so that explanation that the man was lacking in faith, Jesus 
healed people who had faith and sometimes he's healed people to help them get faith and so it doesn't really hold water here's a here's a second possibility maybe there's the this is another possibility maybe jesus was having a bad day you ever had a bad day Maybe he just got out of bed on the wrong side. Jesus Christ, uh, you know, uh, he he just didn't quite do it. You know, Jason Day is the number one um, putter in the world. And uh, just, you know, Jason Day even misses a putt sometimes. And maybe it was just Jesus' day that he just didn't quite get the healing perfect and he had to kind of place his hands on the man twice. Um, But, you know, I don't think so because the problem with that Jesus is perfect and he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. Um, He is God in the flesh. And uh, there's got to be another explanation. So I thought of a third explanation, possibility. What if the man's blindness was really bad? And, uh, you know, blindness, that was the worst type of blindness. And maybe this man was extra blind, so extra effort was needed on Jesus' part to see him cured. And uh, so Jesus kind of done a double dip and and, uh, prayed for him twice. And maybe that was the case. I don't think so. I don't think any of those explanations are right. I don't think any of them come up with any clear biblical truth behind them at all. Um, and, you know, the people uh, have looked at this passage, and, and I've looked at the original Greek, and people, and you read Bible commentaries on this, and everybody has a little thought and a version. But you know what? In the, in the end, the reality is no one has any idea why Jesus had to pray for this man twice. No idea at all. But I believe I know why Mark included it in the Gospels. I believe, I think, I believe, well, the principle I believe that was being related and communicated here. And so I want to just talk to you tonight that God's not finished with you yet. Because he wasn't finished with this man. He didn't lay his hands on him once. And the man had kind of, kind of see partly and say, well, that was good enough. That's good. Uh, You know, part vision is better than no vision, isn't it? Jesus didn't do that. He prayed for him again. I'd like to think that Jesus isn't finished with me yet. I don't think he's finished with any of us yet. And um, uh, tonight, this little message is simply for everybody who maybe thought they were somewhere along the track and they've just had reality maybe slap them in the face and think maybe they've got a little way to go and that's okay because God isn't finished yet aren't you glad that God doesn't kind of just say well um, I'm finished with you he doesn't say that does he you know I'm glad this this little message tonight is for all of us who thought well I thought my character was better than that and the reality is you find out it's not and you think God isn't finished with us. It's for everybody, baby, who, who feels like there's some progress to be made. There's some things yet to move forward with. There's things that I've yet really to get nailed down tight. And, 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 and as you look at life and you think, man, there's a way to go. There's a way to go. And there's a way to go probably for all of us. Because right here in the scripture, there was a blind man who was touched by Jesus and declares, I can see, sort of. And... Uh, and, and this is why I believe it's in the Bible, because God, come on, God isn't finished yet with us. Some, I always remember when I was at school, uh, there was the compulsory swimming carnival. 
I don't know if it's compulsory these days, but you've got to be a part of this high school swimming carnival. In grade eight, I was not a good swimmer. I was not a good, I was a very average swimmer, but you know, because you had to do the right thing and you have to enlist, enroll in one event. So I went in the 50 meter freestyle. I pulled myself up on the step up on the block at the Gladstone swimming pool, 50 meters ahead of me, uh, clear water. I had my board shorts on, and as I looked at everybody else on the blocks, I realized everybody else was dressed in those little things called Speedos. You know what I'm talking about? And so the gun goes off, I jump into the water, and I realized why they wear Speedos, because all my pockets fill up with water. And I drag myself through the water. But, you know, about halfway down the pool, I thought that I was doing okay. I was kicking as mad as I could, arms are going as fast as they could, and I thought, surely... Surely I, I'm in this race. And as I looked up, I saw all my competitors, everybody else who was swimming about 10 meters in front. And thus I finished last. And I thought, you know what? I thought I was better than that. I just thought I, was, I could do better. I thought I was a better swimmer than that. Obviously, I had some thoughts about myself that were unrealistic. And when reality slapped me in the face that day, I thought, you know, number one, I thought I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> Uh, but you have to because it was compulsory. <laughs> but my eyes were kind of opened and I thought I, in many ways I thought I was a little bit more down the track than I, than I discovered that day. And you know, for all of us, sometimes we feel, gee, I thought I was further down the track. And you know, the reality is that sometimes we're not. And I'm just glad that... Uh, that uh, the, this, this passage of scriptures in the Bible, because for every one of us, we feel like we should be further along in life, but we've discovered we're not. It's okay, because God isn't finished. What? Yet. We can all have those times, like this blind man, expecting to open our eyes and see clearly, and it's not clear, it's blurred. It's, the vision isn't where we thought we, we would have. The, the reality is saying other things when we thought it would be a lot better than it is, and, um, and it's okay. I love what Mark chapter 8 really stands for. It's such a great Bible story. It's amazing uh, over the years how people have debated the biblical exegesis of this. That the, the, it's just the terminology mean the, the, the interpretation of Scripture. And, um, and they've all tried to work out and, and they've tried to work out why Jesus had to take a double dip at this man's knee to get it right. And such a, you know, and if we debate over that issue and we try and work it all out, it really misses the point because the point is that not that Jesus had to lay hands on him twice. I reckon the point tonight is that he did. He did lay hands on him twice. Um, and I, I'm not going to get too hassled about why this story in the, is in the Bible and Jesus had to lay hands, but I'm just going to be thankful he did. I think the man who was blind was thankful that he did. And he wasn't left with blurred vision. Um, um, but I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Um, and who knows how long this man had been blind. How many people had given up on him. Maybe many people had given up on him. Um, maybe he was put in the too hard basket for many people. But I'm just thankful Jesus didn't look at him and put him in the too hard basket. And, uh, but Jesus looked at him graciously and lovingly and said... This is a person who God hasn't finished with yet. Um, I thank God that there were some people around this blind man who didn't see a blind man, but rather saw the possibility of a wonderful miracle and testimony of God's healing 
power and touch and love. And um, maybe the friends of this blind man had heard about Jesus and what he'd done for other people. And they thought, we've got it. Because it says in the scripture, you can see, then he came to, and they brought a blind man. So obviously he had friends who brought him to Jesus. And maybe they'd heard about, maybe in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus had, had talked to this woman at a well who'd been married five times and kind of had a fairly emotional um, flimsy life and it was all messed up and there Jesus ministered to her and he wasn't finished with her he helped her through life the woman of Samaria maybe Jesus maybe his friends had heard about the time that Jesus um, these friends of another man who was crippled had brought Jesus brought him to Jesus and they couldn't get into the house because it was so crowded with their friend who was on a stretcher so they took went to the roof and took the tiles off the roof and they let the man down in front of Jesus and Jesus healed him and done a wonderful work in his life. Maybe the friends of this blind man had heard about what Jesus had done with those people and thought, man, God isn't finished with people. God just doesn't just, you know, give up on people. He doesn't put them on the too hard basket. Um, and I'm glad that Jesus had, did touch him twice. And you know, tonight, the reality is, if we can understand that God is not finished with you and God's not finished with me. I think there's some things that we'll understand. And there's things that I want us to understand. If we can believe that God isn't finished with us in our lives, these are the things I believe that we can understand. And the first thing is that this is I can continue. I can continue. See, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, if you can flick it for me, there it is. But it says, this is what it says about us. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's us. We're His workmanship. We're like a building. We're like a building that's been constructed or maybe a building that's been renovated. Have you ever lived in a house that's been renovated? I have. I always remember as a young man, my parents were renovating our house downstairs, and there was an incredible amount of sawdust, an incredible amount of noise, and offcuts, and everything else was happening, and nail guns, etc., etc. And you know, the truth is, we sh we could have moved out of that house and just let them do it and and come back when they finished, but we didn't. We stayed in the house, and you know, I think that's the reality of our lives. We it's we just can't move out of our bodies and say, well, let God renovate our lives. Let God be the workman in our life and sort it all out. And when he's finished, we'll come back and live in this dwelling again. That doesn't happen. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Sometimes I think we've got to be careful that we don't ride ourselves on what we think is a wreck, but it's just an incredible reno. And God's working in our life. And if Jesus isn't finished with us, we can continue we can continue, continue to move on because we're an, the Bible says we're an incredible dwelling place that God has, uh, we, it wants to dwell within us. We're a dwelling place for His presence. And uh, I'm not saying that imperfections don't matter. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when you understand that God's not finished with you yet, you can find the grace to continue to function in the midst of the work that, you're, that God wants to do in your life. I'm uh, encouraged because this blind man didn't panic when his vision was blurred. He didn't throw in the towel because he knew that somehow Jesus wasn't finished with him. I'm so grateful. Jesus didn't say, well, that's all I've got today for you. You know, uh, blurred vision is better than no vision at all. 
Aren't you glad that, you know, when God looks at us, He just doesn't say halfway through the process of us being constructed and built and character being developed and life being put together, that He just says, well, part of job is better than no job at all. Aren't you glad about that? <laughs> he didn't say, well, you know, uh, I've had a busy day. Sorry, I've run out of uh, healing power today. Uh, come back tomorrow. He didn't say that. He continued on and he pressed on and he wasn't finished. Um, and you know, when we, when we can understand that, we can live with contradictions in life. And uh, notice, I, I'm not saying that you accept the contradictions. I'm just saying that you can continue on knowing that God hasn't finished. And because he hasn't finished, that the options, and, and because the other option is we just sit on our hands, we have, a, you know, we say we'll do nothing, we'll never, allow, you know, we, we, just, we just won't move forward. That's not an option, I, I don't believe. And God just says, come on. And, you know, why would you say God is finished with me? I mean, so why would you say about yourself, um, God's finished when he isn't finished at all. Why would you ride yourself off when God says he's not riding you off? See, if we understand that God's not finished, we can continue. Um, I haven't got it all together, but it's a work under construction. It's not a wreck, it's just a great Renault. And that's what God's doing. Um, here's, here's the second thing about um, if God isn't finished. And if we can understand that God isn't finished... Not only can I continue, but I can change. I can change. See, the blind man doesn't stay blind, nor does he stay hazy or blurry. In fact, in the space of four verses, it's amazing how much he does change. In just four verses, we see this man goes from no sight to part sight to clear sight. I reckon that's pretty exciting. He changes. Something changes. Jesus actually says to the disciples, in Mark 1.17, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The word make means to construct, form, put together. It's interesting that Jesus didn't, you know, pick 12 disciples who were perfect and great and just had it all together. He picked men. And, of course, ultimately he had a group of, another group of people and women were included in that. And he says, I'm going to make you, I'm going to construct and form your life. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to fashion you into something. And he took this man called Peter, who was a reed, blown about by the wind, it says. That's what his name meant, reed. And he said, Peter, you're going to become the rock. Isn't that wonderful? He takes a man that, had, it, 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 that, that we see incredible transformation in his life. And that's the power of our God when he, it, it, our God when he says, I'm not finished. So why are you finished? Don't be finished. I'm, I'm still working on your life. Um, one of the most incorrect things you can say about yourself is, well, I'm just like that and that's my lot in life. Just live with it. I think that's so wrong to say about yourself. Well, that's what I'm like. If you don't like it, sorry. No, why would you say that? When God says, no, you're not. I've got so much better life for you. I've got such a better life for you. Why would you declare yourself finished when God hasn't? Um, some, of, some of us use sometimes our personalities as an excuse for the situations that are unfolding in our life. And, and with all sincerity and, and genuineness, I say, hey, don't, don't do that to yourself. God isn't finished, so why would you say I'm finished? 
I've had enough. I'm, I'm just, this is the way I'm stuck. This is the way I am. This is the way I'll be. God's still doing, wants to do something incredible in our life. Um, don't be stuck. So the, the thing is, if, if, if we can understand that God's not finished, we can continue. And the second thing is we can change. But the third thing is this, is that, that we can be confident, that I can be confident. Because the Word of God says this. It says, uh, being confident in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Um, there's one thing that gives me confidence above everything else, and my confidence is in the fact that he has begun my life, will also finish my life. He who has who brought, uh, started the work is going to see it right through the end. He actually says about me and you that we can be changed from glory to glory. What's that mean? It just it simply means he can take us from strength to strength. Jesus doesn't take us on a downward spiral of weakness to weakness. He always wants to take us on, a, on an upward spiral of strength to strength, glory to glory. And that's the God that we serve and the God that loves us and, the, and that we, don't, we need to realize he's not finished. There was a guy called Abraham that was incredibly confident. God had called him out of his land to go into a promised land and God hadn't told him where he was going. He just said, I want you to come out of that promised land. I'm going to take you somewhere. And one day, Abraham and his incredible crowd of um, servants and, and um, everybody else and all the sheep and the cattle he owned, and he had, a, he had a nephew called Lot who had just as much, and they had to make a decision where they were going to live because they couldn't feed, they couldn't be in the same portion of land. And so Abraham confidently says to his nephew Lot, Lot, you, they're standing on a hill, and he says, Lot, you choose first. Where do you want to go? You, wherever you go, I'll go the other direction. And Lot chooses the fertile land in this valley called of Sodom and Gomorrah in that area. And it was beautiful and it was green. And Abraham said, fine. And he waved his, his, his nephew goodbye. And why could Abraham? And Abraham didn't, didn't kind of manipulate and scheme to try and get the land, that land that was good. No, Abraham went somewhere else. And why was Abraham able to be so confident in that? Because he knew that God was not finished with the whole story of his life. And because of that, he was confident. Even though Lot got the better land, that's fine. I know God's not finished. There's a couple of men who are kings of Israel. There's a guy called Saul and there's a guy called David. And if you know the, anything of the story, Saul was so jealous of the up-and-coming king, young David, that he wanted to kill him. Saul, fortunately, never did, was able to kill David. But you know what? David had, a couple, David had a couple of opportunities to kill Saul, and yet he never did. He never prematurely took things into his own hands of God and said, God, um, you know, I'll deal with it. I know you want to deal with Saul. I'll deal with it. He never took it off God's hands. And why was David able to confidently go through life, even though he was treated so badly, why was he able to do that? Because he knew this one thing, that God wasn't finished with him yet, and the full story was yet to unfold. I want to say to you tonight, have you got that confidence that in the midst of what we face and the struggle, that we can have confidence that, hey, we're only seeing a little bit of the picture tonight, and God wants to reveal the full picture in time. 
And you know, I've discovered something about God. He never gives us the full picture because maybe if he gave us the full picture of what lay ahead of us, we'd run the other way because we wouldn't like what we see. But I want to tell you, God promises he's not finished and he's going to be as he is here with you today. He'll be in the future with you as well. The astonishing fact is not that Jesus had to touch this man again. The wonderful, amazing thing is Jesus did touch the man again until it came right. And I want to say that God wants to continually touch our lives and minister to our hearts. I've discovered it's just depending sometimes upon my openness to receive and to walk with him and not walk away from him. Could we stand tonight? I, 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 of course, don't know where we're all at this evening. And maybe, maybe tonight you've looked up or maybe this week you've looked up and it's all so blurry. And it just doesn't, it looks a bit hazy. But you know what? God still believes in you. So hang in there. Because he hasn't finished yet. He's got an incredible future. He says about all of us, he says, I know the plans I have for you in Jeremiah. He says, the plans are good for you, good and not evil, to give you a hope and a future. And I am so thankful for that verse. Could we, for a moment tonight, just close our eyes? And I wonder if, if, you're, if you're here tonight, and the reality is, is that the very first thing you need to do is actually come to the point of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe it's, it's not a religious thing. It's not something that you, you need to religiously do, but it's all about your, your decision in, in your heart about what you believe in Jesus. And, and there comes a point, the Bible says, we're actually going to confess Him and believe in our hearts. And you're here tonight, and you realize that I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to actually give Him my life. Because the Bible, uh, the, we're singing tonight, surrender. And if that what is what you need to do, I want to give you an opportunity tonight. You can just lift your hand. I'll see that hand, and behind your hand is saying, would you pray for me? Would you just believe with me, please? As I come to receive, I want to receive Jesus. And maybe you're here tonight and, and you've done that before, but you realize tonight you need to just come back and say yes to Jesus again and put him first. Because maybe Jesus hasn't been first and we could all wander from the track sometimes. And Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, would just be beckoning and calling you and saying, come on, come back, put me first. I would love you to lift your hand tonight too. So if it's for the very first time or it's again, I'd love to just pray for you where you are tonight. I'd love you to say, yeah, lift my hand. Is there anybody here tonight just wants to say yes to Jesus? Yeah, thank you, sir. I see that hand. Is there anybody? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Thank you. I see that hand. Buddy, you can put it down. You can put it down, that's okay, I see it. You can put it down, that's fine, I see that's here. Anybody else? I'll just wait for another moment. 
So what you're saying is, is there's something within my life that I want Jesus to come in and help me to live life better, to change, to do something. I tell you what, what would be great now is that we pr- pray a simple prayer and, and, and it's the best we can do, I suppose. But it's a prayer from our heart. And I'd love us, just not those three people who put their hand up tonight, but all of us to do this, to just to pray a simple prayer of response to God for what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that we join with the three of the people that have say, yeah, I want to pray tonight. I want to exp- receive Jesus in my life. Let's join with them. Let's pray that. Particularly those three. I love you just to... And let's pray it out loud so we can repeat it. It says confess. So that's what we're going to do. So let's do that right now and join with these folk. Heavenly Father, I come to you. I thank you that you accept me. I thank you that you're not finished with me. In actual fact, my journey is just beginning tonight. I receive you into my life. I turn from my old ways. And I turn to you. I believe in my heart that God, you've raised Jesus from the dead to take my sin. Thank you tonight that you accept me and receive me. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray for people tonight who have responded right there. They're standing in their seat. And I pray that their heart, that you just bring your touch upon their lives. And it'd be more than just the, uh, the words that we speak or the prayer that we made tonight, but it'd be something that would impact their lives in a realistic and wonderful way. And they'd see that this is the start of a journey that you're going to continue. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Right now, minister to those people's hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're here tonight and, and you would love us just to stand in prayer together,